are joined today by the one John Abbott. Yes, he has come out of retirement from a year of hiding away in Norway somewhere. And actually, John, I quite like this new look you've got going on the beard. I always did think you could grow a beard, but it's actually quite impressive. I don't think impressive is the right is the right term for it, but more more like lazy lazy growth is the adequate description, and it's it it's not exactly a full a full beard, is it? But it's impressive. It's impressive. It's the new look. It's the twenty twenty one John Alban look. Let's be fair. Well, less hair on top and more under the chin, sort of thing. Well, you're saying that, but I was looking for Instagram posts yesterday. I'm thinking John Alban's looking very blonde recently. Like, are you dying it, John? Is it or is it, is it transplants? Are you using some of that winning money to get transplant? No, since the foot operation, I can spend a lot more time out in the mountains on my feet. So I guess my hair's gone a bit, bit lighter. Uh, yeah. And it's also been an amazing, amazing summer, summer here this year. So we got pretty lucky with the weather, and um, it's been nice just to be stuck here and be able to actually explore the mountains here and have more time just to train rather than travelling around all the time. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day, like uh, before this podcast, we mentioned COVID, but us now. Um, so with COVID, actually, it's sort of a blessing in disguise for most of us. But for you in particular, it gave you that chance to go, you know what, I'm going to concentrate on this, this and this. Unbeknown to you, you got a chance to fix your foot, which really none of us knew that was a problem, but obviously it was a problem, which we'll chat about in a minute. But actually, it's, it's sort of a blessing in disguise in the sense of it's given you a year and a half to really focus on certain things that normally, especially you as an athlete, being pulled here, you're being pulled there, you're being dragged to this race and dragged to that race. You spent a lot of time at home, just literally, you and you and Henrietta, which I suppose is quite nice, renovating a house, which is something we didn't know you could do. You know, you're a, you're a guy in, with many skills for the sounds of it. You know, has that been quite good for you in that sense? Yeah, I think um, like obviously it's been it's been terrible for many, many people, let alone the ones that are like actually experienced someone dying or like being really yeah, sick sure. from it. But also in a lot of like cities and a lot of countries being stuck in your apartment for months on end or not not really having the freedom um, that you're used to. But for me here, life has been relatively similar to how it would have been except for the fact that I've not been traveling and racing so um I think I've I've used the time wisely and I think I've uh, like found a lot of silver linings to not being able to travel around and yeah we've moved to a new part of Norway we bought a house we kind of uh spent a lot more time exploring the mountains here and exploration is actually the part of training that I enjoy the most so that's been that's been a lot of fun and yeah like you said managed to get my foot fixed up because um that had like affected my training and affected my my racing it was never that bad that I couldn't like walk on it and couldn't train but it was always a problem that was there and I was always complaining to people about my toe and it was turning into a thing so it was nice to be given a, an opportunity to try and fix that up and not actually miss out on much racing and miss out on on much because everyone else seemed to be missing out as well. Mm. So are you telling me that the old John Abbott, I'm going to call it the old John Abbott, was actually running at like probably half, half a, you know, half a tank? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that, but the toe affected how I could train. Uh, but maybe mm. it may meant that I actually um, trained better in some ways. Like I, I went and found skiing, which is like a great form of cross training. I really had to uh, think long and hard about the sessions I was doing and only do the sessions that I thought were really going to help. Uh, the main thing uh, which the toe impacted was the fun of running and it wasn't as fun to go out running and I couldn't go and do big, long, pointless mountain days and just have fun out there. I had to sort of actually try and train and then do the rest of it on the bike or find forms of cross training or just, just resting. So over the last over the last year, I've got back to actually enjoying going out and just doing pointless runs in the mountains, which I'm not sure if they're going to make me a better athlete, but it certainly makes me enjoy the experience more. 
Well, 100%, because let's be fair, we all do it because we enjoy what we do. You, I mean, you've got the added bonus of being very good at what you do. So, you, you know, you make a living of it. And that, I suppose, then breeds the fact that you can't just relax and back off. You have to keep and train correctly if you want to continue at that ability level you're at. Um, so I suppose a benefit of that is actually be able to run and be free and pain-free and healthy. So I suppose if you were going through a bit of a management barrier of training because your foot, then obviously, hopefully, we'll more of you now. So what actually was wrong with your foot? Uh, so uh, how long ago was it now? I think four, four and a half years ago, maybe nearly five. I, um, I did this swim run in the Lake District and the next day we were driving home and I saw people running around with numbers on their chest. So it turned out that it was the Skidor fell race. So yeah. I, I kind of jumped in last minute and it turned out to be the English team qualifiers for uphill running or something as well. So I smashed up Skidor and smashed down again. And because of path erosion, they really try and keep you on the on the rocky path down. And I ran downhill like faster than I think I've ever run downhill on, on that sort of terrain. <laughs> and um managed to really catch a rock on the exact wrong point under my foot so i um apparently i cracked the two sesamoid bones these sesamoid bones these these two bones that lie just like underneath the big toe kind of on the forefoot um and but it never got that bad that i couldn't run and it never got that bad that i had to actually take uh, mass amounts off training so that meant that i never really took it seriously and it was always just a niggly pain uh but it was always there so um, I knew if I ran more, it would be worse. And I knew if I ran less, it'd be better. But I never took enough time off that they could actually fully heal. And then through the years, it just turned out that I don't think they ever were going to heal because there'd been so much sort of like crappy soft tissue built up around. And um, it just never, never really fixed itself. And I never gave it enough opportunity to fix itself um, until I went to a surgeon and he explained to me what the problem was because I'd been to like a bunch of different people, but no one really could agree on what the problem was. Um, but this guy really seemed to know what he was on about. And he said, it's not normal to have an operation, but considering it's been so many years since you actually um, got the problem, it might be one of the only ways to go. And at least that way we open up and we actually see what's wrong and we actually try and uh, fix it up. So Which um, you sh- shared to the world via your Instagram uh, a few weeks back, and I, I remember flicking through like, "Whoa, okay!" But as I, that picture's actually been taken off Instagram. You noticed? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, can, I can imagine there's some squeamish people around there, but I mean, it is it is only a hole in a foot at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah um, it's that's, that's uh, so weird. so that what they did was they opened they opened up and they went in and he found that. Um, both sesamoid bones like had fractures, but then they had some sort of cartilage that tried to go on top. So they had tried to fix themselves, but there was still like movement when he pressed. So they weren't completely healed. Um, so he took some other bits of bone off the main foot bone uh, in there, like um, and grafted that on to try and allow the um, little bones to actually fully heal properly. And then I think the main thing he did after that was cut back a load of like red inflamed soft tissue around and in the joint so i think that's actually what i've been trying to recover from now is the fact that the, the actual bones are all fixed up and healed but uh whenever you do any work in, in in the joint and like it just takes a long time to heal so it's still stiff and a little bit painful but it does feel that the bones are completely healed now uh so all i'm battling with a bit is a bit, a bit of like stiff pain a little bit of like management there and also just the psychological effect of like not wanting to absolutely smash downhill on a foot that i know has been a bit bit hurty for for quite a few years so 
How, how is that for you? I could imagine, although I know you quite well now, I don't think you actually smash every time you go out for a run. I think people think you'd hit runs at like, you know, predicted <laughs> speeds. And I know you don't, I know you're a clever athlete, but like, there's also a part of me that thinks that John Alvin doesn't go slow and just wants to, like you say, you've got that about you that no matter whether skiing, rollerblading, whatever it is, you're going and want to put a hundred percent effort in. Um, you know, how's that been like mentally? Is that like the hardest part I'd imagine? To be honest, I actually don't think I ever put 100% effort in, even in racing. I think that's the biggest problem I have now is psychologically, I don't know whether I can push myself through those pain yeah. barriers because it's exceptionally painful to go as absolutely hard as you can for many hours on end. And that's yeah. the big thing. Like You can get yourself as fit as possible, but can you push yourself to those into those painful places and stay there for, for extended periods of time? So yeah, like a lot of my training is is controlled and that is a great way to train. But at some point you do need to get yourself race fit as well. And that's where I am at the moment. I'm trying to turn myself from a well-trained athlete from the past couple of months into like a race ready one. Um, mm -hmm. And in order to do that, I do need to do some races because it's pretty hard to replicate races and do race simulations. So my first proper race was at the weekend and um, mm -hmm. I've got the OCC in two and a half weeks. And then from there... Like they'll just snowball, I guess, if um, COVID behaves itself. Yeah, for sure. So uh, moving on swiftly then to this race you did last week, and I'm going to let you pronounce the name of it because I will butcher it. Uh, Fat Flau Marden? What is Fiel, it? Fiel, Fiel Marathon. So it's, it's like one of the original, uh, Fiel is mountain and Marathon is marathon. Yeah, marathon. So it's a yeah. mount, mountain marathon uh, in Sweden. It's actually one that's been going on for quite a few years. And one I knew about from when I very first started running uh, and right. always wanted to do but it never really kind of happened so um, yeah it's a really cool event they actually have like a week-long festival with lots of different distances uh, they had a 27k to kick things off which Killian did a VK they've got a 12k a sprint and I did um, the 45k which is the second longest distance and there was a 100k as well so I did the 45k which um yeah, 45k, 2000 climb, like really nice single track, soft, runnable uh, trails. Uh, just a really nice sort of part of Sweden to be running around in with really nice trails. And it was also billed as the Spartan World Championships, uh, yeah, Trail yeah, World yeah. Championships. But like yeah. considering travel at the moment, I don't think there was much hype made about it because not pretty, not that many athletes could really make it there. So I don't think like that I was going to say, what was the competition the like? Thing. Was it? Was it was it good competition there, or was it all locals? I looked at the start line; they all looked like Vikings. <laughs> it was it was good competition for that event. I think it was like relatively normal for for that event, which is still like quite good competition. Like um, Martin Bordstrom, um, Finnish guy, he's done it quite a few times. Uh, Andre Jonsson, he's a Swede who like lives in the area and done it quite a few times, and like a bunch of other guys that have done that race many times. Yeah. So. I would say it was good, um, good competition, but not sort of like the world class field you'd hope to see from a world championships. I mean, COVID isn't really exactly very kind at the moment with travelling, is it? So, no, definitely not. Um, but you took away the win. I saw uh, quite a comfortable win. Was it in the end, John? Was it sort of your good uh, and... Yeah, I wouldn't say comfortable. I think, um, like I was saying, I'm not that race practiced at the moment, so there's always lots of questions going through your mind. I certainly felt exceptionally comfortable on the first climb. But my heart rate was absolutely through the roof. So mm. I don't know whether that was just a bit too much resting before, a bit too much excitement, or just a bit of sort of like, yeah, I'm not sure. But that meant I pushed relatively hard throughout the whole thing, but still felt 
relatively comfortable but yeah there's obviously always little things that happen and little question marks that pop up and little ways you can doubt yourself so I was happy to win and I would not say it was like an easy win but um it was it was like a, a solid a solid run and it had to be in order I think to be fair whether you're an age grouper an open waiver or, or John Alban I think that first race back, I mean, we had our first sort of Spartan race uh, a couple of weekends ago. And obviously, we've not raced in a year and a half nearly, you know, uh, some some of us more seriously raced. And I think, like, I ran my race, my heart rate was well through the roof, like, this shouldn't be happening. Like you say, whether it's just, you know, your first race back, I think it was like just pressure and anxiety and race, you know, being in that race mode. You can't control that. And like you say, that's why you need to do races to get used to that and get that down. The next one. So what is your next one? Is it OCC? Uh, OCC. So it's like the, I think it's the shortest distance as the, um, as part of the UTMB sort of like race Rock. festival week. Yeah. So I'll be going to Chamonix, um, and it starts in Switzerland. It's like the last leg of the UTMB course. Um, and it will start in Switzerland, then 55K with like three to three and a half thousand meters climb back to Chamonix, uh, where yep. it finishes. So, it's my favorite place in the world. I love Chamonix. It's like, yeah, it's, it is an, an, certainly a very, very nice place. Like, um, it's pretty special, Chamonix. Have you skied there, John? Uh, no, uh, not at all. Uh, yeah, but I've, I've, I've heard, I've have heard that for ski touring, it's like not the best, but obviously with lift access and stuff, it's um, yeah, makes it heli better. Ski, but heli ski to Mont Blanc, <laughs> <is pretty impressive. laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, impressive, well worth doing. Yeah, but yeah, but, that's the next one. So that's in two and a half weeks. So we leave on Thursday. I'm going to try and acclimatize like a little bit, but we'll we'll see how that goes. And obviously, just also try and enjoy a little bit of a holiday because it's been a long time since we've sure, actually sure. like been away like that. Did a, did a part of you not want to sort of tie in with Killian on in the shorter race and see really where, you, where, where you're at? It would have been it would have been fun, uh, but then I was also like quite aware that I might have a lot of races moving into the autumn, and it was like I'm not sure how my body is going to react to to running the race, and I was kind of like all in for this 45 k because I thought that would like lead me better into the 55 k at the OCC. I think if I could turn right. back time, I probably would would try and jump in and it would have been really fun but obviously I've trained with him a bit and I know I know where I lie fitness wise in comparison to him so I don't think I'd stand that much chance but I don't know who knows it would have been fun is to he, give it a good go is he your neighbor now in Romsdale and is it Romsdale uh Romsdale and he's like from where uh, 20 minutes away okay that's from, pretty much uh, that's in Norway that's that's neighbors isn't it surely yeah uh, pretty much yeah I guess so uh <laughs> he's like two two fjords down <laughs> yards down <laughs> brilliant brilliant do you um have you got a tv john do you watch do you watch tv no uh but we do have like a laptop with netflix and whatnot so that's I was, say, like, I was thinking standing. i was thinking more i was thinking more olympics did you oh, catch I, any I olympics tried to watch like a little bit of like the youtube uh highlights videos highlights. but they've been pretty poor to be honest because it's just they just take bits of the actual uh competition and then just sort of like shove it in together and then put it on youtube whereas like the formula one highlights and stuff like that is like been a lot more like you get like a mini coverage uh, yeah. afterwards so i've like caught bits of it here and there but have have struggled to be honest like i would have liked to have watched a bit more of the climbing but i was in sweden un- without a swedish payment method unable to watch it because i couldn't pay anyway for for eurosport and stuff so right yeah, yeah. um yeah, it's been it's always like fun when the Olympics is on though to like see see um, news come in of who's done what and how things have gone and stuff. Where are uh, yeah, I mean, so it okay. So we know obviously OCR is not in the Olympics. Uh, trail running is not in the Olympics. But if it was, 
what what avenue do you think you'd take? Because surely Mr. Albon would be on for gold in the Olympics, surely, if that one of those disciplines came in? Uh, I don't know. I think like it would really depend on what the competition would look like. Um, mm. I'd love yeah, to give true. obstacle racing a go, but it just really depends on how yeah how it would look. I mean, would it be the obstacle racing we know and love now, or would it be something completely different? And if it is something completely different, it might be that like the steeplechasers could just do some tweaking to their training and then be pretty good at it. So in which case, I don't think I'd stand a chance. But if it did involve like some of the crap we have to go through in obstacle racing, especially <laughs> in days gone by, I'm guessing I like should hopefully have a half decent chance of getting myself into good shape. Some old, old school OCR racing. Uh, a little bit of both. Like, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the moment there isn't really a, a document which describes what obstacle racing is or how a competition should be put together and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, so, something like that would need to happen for the Olympics and whether the right people would get in charge in order to be able to put it together how I would think obstacle racing should be. Who knows? And I've got a feeling that wouldn't be how it would go ahead anyway, to be fair. <laughs> well, even, you know. even with climbing, there's been a lot of a lot of discussion with how climbing was put together. They only got given um, like the one the one set of medals for one competition and then they tried to combine the sport, the um well the the lead, bouldering and speed all together and like there was a lot of discussion about whether that was the right thing to do and yeah like speed climbing isn't really like the same as as lead and bouldering it's very very different and it's like very hard to even see it as sort of like yeah anywhere near the same sport so it was Mm. it was strange that they had to combine those those three together uh but that's what happened and then yeah they, they have to deal with it I reckon you could probably go maybe left field and you could go to like speed skating or something like that. I could, I could try, I guess. Like uh, yeah. ski touring, London A is actually going to be the Olympics in 2026. Um, Whenever I it guess. is. It's the yeah. next one. Winter. What are we oh, now? Yeah, yeah winter. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's fun. Like uh, that's going to be really interesting to see how that goes because that could either be sort of like skinning up a ski slope and skiing down a ski slope or actually in a mountain and you're actually doing some ski mountaineering. So it'd be really interesting to see how how that's included within the Winter Olympics and whether they butcher that sport or whether it's actually going to be kind of like a cool a cool thing to watch. Um, and whether Team GB wants to make an uh, honest attempt to getting a ski touring team together. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Well, we know the man, obviously. You'd be <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think there's a few other guys which uh, can ski as well, but it'd obviously be really fun to to give it a good go. And I think I live in one of the best places in the world in order to train for it. Yeah, that is very true. That is so. Moving on, you mentioned races. Mm. Uh, I think the big question we all want to know is, um, you know, is Spartan on the radar this year, John? Are you planning maybe, you know, an Abu Dhabi? And is OCR Worlds? Oh, no, there's loads of questions. Is OCR Worlds on the radar? Can you get to America? Are you planning it? Uh, surely you're not going to let someone like VJ Jones or Ryan go take your take your title away because of COVID. Um... Surely not. Well, the first one that would probably come up would be the Spartan Euros, but that's only a week before Spartan Worlds. Uh, Sorry, uh, OCR Worlds. OCR Worlds. Um, Travel to the USA, isn't it? The Americans can come to Europe, but Europeans can't go to America at the moment. That's true. So, like, at present, it's just not possible. Yeah. So it's just, like, it's ridiculous to even consider at the moment. Um, Yeah, it's really hard to actually see the OCR Worlds posting stuff like, oh, like, uh, places are running out. Oh, we're filling up. Da, 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 da. Make sure you get entered like now. It's like, yeah, but we can't even go. Like, how is oh, yeah. how is this a thing? Like, I don't understand. 
I know um, a lot of people that have got tickets. I'm like, ah, really? You know, like you've even booked yeah. hotels and flights and all sorts. But but you kind of have to, don't you? You have to you have to plan your life. But I mean, at the moment, it's just really hard hard to to plan. It's just like who who knows what's going to happen. Like I would have thought that things would ease up for Europeans by then. Like we're still mm. what like two two months out, maybe. Um, yeah. Not two months out, like six not, no, weeks. Not quite. Something. Six weeks. Um, yeah. So yeah, hopefully things will ease up. But will it ease up for other other countries in the world like it's it, i don't think it's going to be that everyone in the world can make it to the ocr world championships um in september if if like even if europe's gone like a bit bit better and we can travel there there's going to be other countries in the world which are going to struggle so no matter what happens it's not going to be like mm. a full field of athlete but um i guess it really comes down to how many athletes can make it um but obviously i'd love to I'd love to go. Um, if I could go to OCR Worlds, I'm not sure if I do Spartan Euros uh, the weekend before. If anything, I probably need to get like some sort of technical obstacle race under my belt because I'm going to be like really, really out of practice having not done one obstacle race in two years to again throw myself into OCR Worlds. And it doesn't really seem like they've calmed down on trying to make obstacles uh, more technical. Uh, and they've, even though the, the, the sport hasn't been happening in two years, it still seems like they've been trying to develop more technical obstacles. Um, so it would be quite interesting if I was to make it out there as to whether I could even put in a, a good show of myself. Um, but yeah, I'm always up for the challenge. So, I mean, it would be great if uh, travel did open up and I, I managed to get out there and give it a go. Uh, as to who would be racing as well, because Spartan uh, national champs, the US national champs are happening at the same time as well. So it's yeah. like that's going to dilute the field even more. Um, mm. But yeah, it'd be, it'd be really interesting because Spartan, obviously they've, they've uh, not signed any pro athlete this year. So it would be interesting to see how many athletes feel um, that they have to go to the Spartan nationals instead of OCR worlds or the other way around. It'd be interesting to see where allegiances lie. That is very true. I think, um, yeah, that is true. I've not thought about that. And I think next year that's all going to come to a Pete Tong anyway. I think that's all going to, it's all going to be screwed up by next year. It needs to change. Something needs to change with that. It doesn't quite work, does it? Um, I appreciate that your top athletes need to get paid for going to the races and stuff. It hasn't worked for a long time. And I do, eventually it will go more towards teams again. And then you'll have third party sponsors, sponsor like your likes of Ryan and Lindsay will be a part of the CBD team, or, you know, River Blend, and you'll have the VJ and that lot be a part of this team. John will just be team Norway and, you know, like <laughs> however you want to do it, you know? Um, yeah. It'll be interesting. Like there's, there's not many other sports which actually have their own pro team no. and the actual no. individual competitions actually sponsor athletes. But then I understand other sports do pay for athletes flights to get to races so they can sort of like have them there uh, yeah. and stuff like that. So it'd be interesting to see what, what sort of way Spartan go with it and um, how they want to proceed. I'm not sure if because they've like now they've they own Tough Mudder and there's not that many other obstacle races around which are threatening them that they, they kind of feel like they've they've made it as the the big boys the main, and they are yeah. they have the monopoly, so that's it. They don't really have to try anymore. I, I, I've no idea. Like I haven't really I've never been on the Spartan Pro team anyway, so it doesn't really affect me that much. Uh, I mean anyway, to, fair, to be you- honest. I don't think you probably get many more than what you get now from the pro team. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm understanding that, you know, if they rang you and said, look, John, come to Andorra in a couple of weeks, you're going to say, well, all right, get me a plane, get me a ticket and I'm there. Do you know what I mean? And, and that would how it would be sorted. So, you know, I mean, let's be fair. Joe, Joe DeSena can afford to give you all a helicopter, you know. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea. Like, I've, I've got no idea how 
how the finances work and what sort of shape they're in. Like sometimes it can look really good, but I mean, they must have taken a massive hit over the past year and a half. Like obstacle racing as a sport is more difficult to uh, hold uh, during a pandemic because everyone's touching stuff rather than a trail run where you can just like run around and not really like sort of come into that much contact with each other. So I've got no idea how, how it's working out for them, but considering they are one of the biggest obstacle races left, like hopefully they do make it through and they are like everything is fine for them oh, because uh, even though I don't feel that Spartan is like uh, the one greatest form of obstacle racing that I think is sort of like, yeah, is representing what obstacle racing is. I think it is sort of like a part of the sport. Um, and yeah, it does have like a uh, a position within the sport. So so when's John Album's um, Limited coming out with your own racing, Ren? Bring your own race, race to you. I think Can I'm... I'm happy enough just living living a nice quiet <laughs> life and uh, not having no too way. much work like just to make enough enough money that I can make ends meet but then yeah be able to sort of like just be able to train move around in the mountains not make too much work for myself uh, but that doesn't mean that I haven't got other projects in the in the making no 100% we could talk about those so just to re-clarify then so at, um Europe Spartan Euros you'd obviously that looks more likely to be fair from where you are in the situation I think Andorra looks more likely for you uh obviously worlds ocr worlds ventry worlds it um if if we can make travel happen and then obviously the big bad boy abu dhabi have you had much thoughts about that i mean that's december that's so far away like uh before then it would actually be trail slash mountain world champs if i'm picked for the gb team um right okay nice so that's you should be, uh, yeah I, I don't know like i i guess so like they said that they want to see that i've got good running shape and obviously i went and i ran at the weekend and i I ran relatively well, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's pretty hard to pick teams at the moment with so few events, but um, hopefully I've shown like that I have enough fitness that I could could run in that. And considering I won in the Trail World Champs before, like hopefully that's a possibility. That's in November in Thailand, but Thailand's like uh, not looking so good for COVID at the moment. And they've got to make the decision like relatively soon as to whether that'll be cancelled or not. So should hopefully hear about that soon and if that's not on then i guess i can just like book into a bunch of other events and just sort of like yeah just go forth and and race as long as i can travel so um but yeah spartan, uh, spartan worlds that would be like one of the last races of the year it's like december um yeah, i'd be well up fifth, well up for that like uh not being at elevation not being in the states like yeah i'd uh, really like to go not, and uh, do well not a lot of sand in norway though john uh it wouldn't be that bad to train. We've got a few quarries around here. I can do some laps in. It'd be great. Yeah. Move, move to your mum at Beckles. Go to Lower Stoft. Hit by, the old beach. By, by that point, it'll be snowy here as well. I'll just run around in the snow a bunch. Oh, that's it's true. That is very true. Yeah, it's no, I think like it, it would be it would be uh, like tough as as always with that race. But I would fancy my chances more in a yeah lower down race, not in the states. So it'd be yeah, really sure. interesting to go and um, also just to see how how they made the race, like how heavy the carries would be, how tough the obstacles would be and stuff. See, because uh, we've got pretty used to the course pretty much being exactly the same for the past five five years or something. So it'd be really cool to see what they're, what sort of angle they take to the World Championships. I mean, at the moment, the World Championships is a beast distance. They don't have like a sprint and a super except for in the trifecta world. So they're obviously going to keep it a beast. But then as to what sort of race... It does seem that the standardizations take another another step and they've even like mm. started to 
go more towards like single sandbag carries and less double sandbag carries and stuff and like more standardization with the buckets having lids on and carrying them on your shoulder and more pancake sandbags rather than random filled up ones so yeah it would be interesting i'm waiting i am waiting for the day where they do a spartan do the sprint world champs the super world champs and the beast world champs i think that would have to be that next level uh yeah i think like uh obviously there's different athletes which are now more suited towards shorter distances and more sorted uh more towards longer distances yeah i mean it would be interesting as to whether they do them all on the same weekend though like the trifecta worlds who knows maybe that would just water all the competitions down too much um but we know we know john What's going to happen with you is you'll get there and they'll say, Joe will say, shit, John's there. Let's uh, let's give John five carries because we need that. <laughs> and then, oh, actually, we found him on course. So we'll, 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 we'll disqualify him. <laughs> yeah. And not it's disqualify not, it's, him. Spawn do like a little bit of uh, controversy, don't they? So you can't, can't, they can't blame them. Any press is good press. I'm going to um, sort of change the subject now because I've, I read your last Instagram post and I've sort of written some notes here. The first thing was like, I would have thought you'd have all the pretty spot on already. So I'm interested, you know, in your time in the last year and a half, how you've changed some of these. One, you talk mm. about your, eth- your ethos. Yeah. How, how has your ethos changed? Um, well, firstly, I don't think any one ethos is like perfect for anyone because it's, um, yeah, lots of different things work for different people. And I think the same same things work for different people as well. It just maybe sometimes the change is what you need. So if you've done like X amount of hours or X amount of types of runs and then you change them, it doesn't mean that you're doing something better or worse. It just means that the change is going to help your fitness. Um, but since I got the toe operation and now I can go and do just more general running, I have done a lot more of that. So before I was very much like, this whole 80 20 thing where you go really slow for 80 percent and pretty hard for 20 percent and having got to know athletes here people like killian and then seeing how they train for trail and mountain races i've just found that it's not actually as black and white as that and actually maybe that isn't the best way to go uh, so, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's um it's just different isn't it and i think that's like if you're going to run on the road, which the majority of people are going to do, or you have a job, which the majority of people do, maybe the 80-20 is a really good, solid way of going because you can't run in zone two on the road for like 10 hours a week because you'll just get injured. You have to go much slower and then really try and uh, go much harder in other sessions. And I think um, in like a sharpening phase before an actual race, like eight weeks out from a race, that's actually a really good way to train, to try and peak your fitness. But a lot of my training, especially over the last year and a half, has been more like base building, just trying to change who I am and try and build my engine and make myself like, yeah, a better all-round athlete. And especially with the skiing uh, and the more mountain and trail running, it means you can spend a lot more time in zone two, low zone three than you'd ever think. If I was running on the road, I'd be injured. But with the skiing and the mountain running, it's not so much. So I've certainly done a lot more just general out pushing half hard uh and seeing how killian trains it seems like he does that like a lot like when you go skiing with him he's never going slow he's always kind of pushing a little bit um Mm. and i found yeah like the injury risk can go up but then yeah if you're clever about it it doesn't have to and yeah recovery time maybe can be a bit bit more but also 
it can be less because you get more endorphins and you enjoy yourself a lot more when you go out and push like a little bit harder and you're also done quicker say if you're going to go and do like a 20k and you push like a little bit you're done after x amount of hours but if you're going to go really slow you're out for like double the amount of time so it's actually less time on feet there as well so um it's a different a different way of looking at it but i certainly do think that a lot of the books and a lot of the um yeah a lot of the literature in that's that's done around training is all based off like track athletes and road athletes and like american college athletes and they're all training really specifically for these specific challenges which you can really put your finger on like that it's i want to be good at 1k or i want to be good at a marathon but when you're training to do an obstacle race or a trail race i really do think that this base building is really important and building this big engine and and for that you can be a bit more flexible with with your training so um i've certainly enjoyed trying out this year it's not uh it's not like i've had tons of success yet so who knows um we'll see whether it actually pays off or whether i could have been just as fit with the old method yeah, but I suppose then, like you say, you could just stick to your old method and just bundle along and still win races. But you'd never know without trying. You don't you don't know. And you like you say, you might find now that this to you in other ways, you know, like more family. Like you say, you're home quick. You know, you get to the, you get the kettle on quick and you get home. You're not still out on the bloody slope and you get more time with Henrietta or you get more time doing your house up. And, you know, those things are so a benefit to that type of, aren't they? It's interesting you say that because I'm very much your Matt's fit, Gerald, your 80-20. I try to stick to that. And although I try to avoid the roads, it's very difficult when you live in the middle of a town where all there is the road you know, um unlike you open your garage and just hit the mountain within seconds but a lot of people are training that way and i do think as well with skiing which is great for you that is less impact as well isn't it it's different if it was oh, yeah. doing all those hours on on running but you're not just to clarify that you, you know you're, you're on ski the impact rates are so much lower um, yeah or, or like 10 percent treadmill 15 percent treadmill and stuff like, like i yeah, said yeah, like yeah. that's that's what I've been doing more of more of this year. It's not it's not what I've always done and it's it's not great for everyone either. Like um I coach people and it really takes a long time to get to know them and then really find out what works for them or what sort of like the best yeah ratio of training for, for them is and then that changes for each person in regards to how far away the competitions are as well. And um, with so few competitions over the past year and a half we've had more time for base building and more time for sort of like general training to try and change what type of athletes we are or change change your body type and really work on general fitness um and now it's getting into the time that we really need to peak that fitness so then you'll change the the ethos a little bit towards that do you think that's working worked will work because your john Alban have had years of experience or do you think that would work for someone coming in uh i think i think like there's loads of different things which make a good athlete and like who knows how many of them i've got so right that i can win and so many of them i still need to work on but i think what people need to work on is always going to be different from from people to people i think um probably if you're coming into the sport or if you're already relatively good just to work on your weaknesses is probably the, the best advice you can give just to find what you're not so good at and work on it and then actually sit down and and think where you are or what sort of fitness you have at that exact time and then train accordingly rather than thinking about what other people are doing or what you used to be able to do or stuff like that to actually look at look at what sort of athlete you are and actually then try and work on those those weaknesses and be honest with yourself because I fall into that trap as well like oh I used to be able to do these intervals so I'll try and go and do those now whereas I'm, I might be like 10% less fit so I just can't manage it 
and then to mm. to plan properly and build up gradually is always going to be uh, a lot better. And I suppose that's then enhanced your upgraded focus that you talk about in this Instagram post. Really, you know, how's that changed? You upgrade? I because I would have thought you'd be after talking to you regularly. You know, like I would say, you're pretty focused. You're a focused guy. Do you think you what you weren't? Do you think that was lacking? Or I think I think um, after you have an injury and an operation, focus goes through the roof because you get back and you're fully on it. But I think I'm kind of past that now. But I do okay. think I'm a bit more dedicated now. Uh, I think. Yeah, I'm relatively dedicated, but in the in the world of like Olympic athletes and real full time athletes, I'm probably not that dedicated. And living living here and being and sort of training with some athletes here and seeing how dedicated they are and how seriously they take it, I do think that my focus has gone up somewhat. Um, mm. And yeah, I am a lot more sort of like yeah, I am trying to get good shape and I am more focused about it. But then. Who knows whether that's a good thing either. Like it's sometimes it's better just to sort of not look directly at the target so you get better at it sort of on the on the side. So we'll see. We'll see. Sometimes you can stress more if you really are focused all the time. Um, you can't relax, you can't soak up training as well. So we shall see. But I do think I definitely am trying to push up a bracket in um in running. So I'm trying to I'm not like in the highest of high athletes i think and i've got like a couple of brackets to go and i'm trying to push into the next bracket but it is relatively difficult when you're trying to get one two percent uh fitness increases what um what are your targets and goals i mean obviously you don't have to go to individual targets but for instance like i would say to my target right i want to hit that position at series i want to hit you know maybe i want to do that event and do quite well come top 10 percent. what's john Adams' target like what do you focus for it must be difficult being so good this sounds sounds wrong because obviously it's not because you obviously there's guys there's standards to you as well but it must be difficult like going to this race last weekend and just winning and then going well okay that's gone how sort of well you know how do you keep focused on again like what are your targets uh i think target wise i obviously i really like to win but more yeah. so that I want to run really strong and really well and just feel like I'm running better than I ever have done before. Uh, okay. But obviously, there's a lot of different things which make you run well. So obviously, you can be super duper fit and you can like run really fast, but then you can be psychologically weaker and not be able to push yourself or you could be too tense when you race and just not feel that you've really done yourself justice. Um, and the further I go in my career, the harder it is to be satisfied with how I'm running. Um, because yeah, I never really feel like you have that perfect race. Because even if you win, you can always you can always say you didn't do something right. Or even uh, I did do like a smaller race a couple of months ago, and I and I I won that, but I didn't really feel like I ran that well because I kept on looking over my shoulder and was really tense and didn't really enjoy the experience. I wasn't relaxed. I was more worried about needing to win rather than yeah. actually going out and running strong and concentrating on my own race. So. Um, yeah, it is, it is kind of tough, but I guess that not never being happy with your own performance is probably one of the more important things to continue going on and, and improving. So obviously there's lots of yeah pros and cons, but I think like that's a better way to go for me because if a, complacency is the first, is the biggest thing that's going to kill kill your performance. 
Yeah, I think especially like you mentioned there, like when you're focusing on everyone else's race, yours, that's that's the worst point you could be in a race. You're looking around and you're going, oh, my God, he's on my shoulder and not, you know, you're taking focus off. Do you think since you've been doing coaching and obviously living with Henrietta, because obviously, let's be fair, she's a pretty tidy athlete herself. Do you think that's helped you to focus as well? Like, especially coaching, like, do you find that you're telling other people than telling yourself? Definitely. Like, I think um, not only has it helped my focus, it's also helped me look at my own training, analyze my own training and try and yeah see what could work for me slightly different um, based on what works for other people and based on how they do the training. Um, but I definitely do feel that you can program people training, but it's how they take it and make it their own, which is the most important thing. So I've definitely learned that as well from seeing how people, how different people could take similar sessions and how they actually execute them and which ones get the best results from those sessions. And then how I execute sessions and whether I'm doing it to the best of my ability as well has been, it's been a lot of fun and um, it's been, yeah, like really good for my own training as well. Awesome. Um, So grip strength. Now, I wouldn't have said this is a weakness of yours, John, um, (laughs) but you've said you've upgraded your grip strength. like. Other than what you were doing before, do you, do you want to shed some light or is this completely, is this John Abbott coaching private material? No, no. I mean, to be honest, I don't think that many people have the amount of time I have to be in order to train grip strength like I have been lately. Um, okay. But like, yeah, you say that grip strength is probably not one of my weaknesses. Definitely not. But then you can always compare yourself to people in other sports. And if you can compare me to just an average rock climber, my grip strength is probably relatively weak. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there are, you can always improve and I'm always looking to improve and also just change. But, um, what I, due to COVID and moving, I haven't got as good access to like a good bouldering center. There's a good, um, lead climbing center here with some bouldering, but it's not that good. And just haven't really had the time. It's been closed sometimes as well. And, having to book in and stuff and like different rules so I've just been climbing indoors like a lot less but then that means that I just started doing more hanging training at home like a lot more and actually made a system for it and I've never been that systematic with training but thanks to the coaching and stuff like I've tried to be a lot more systematic and it's the first time I really applied like an actual system to my training and started uh, some one-arm pull-up type exercises to have sort of like a rough goal of trying to do a one-arm pull-up. So those two things together is really, yeah, really like worked, I hope. Like, but obviously it means that I've probably got quite good grip strength in one sense, but with the bouldering, that's like the best training because it's like so different all the time. So that's a lot more um, similar to obstacle racing. But I do feel like from doing the test testing, uh, during the process like my grip strength has improved a lot like at least my crimping strength has gone up like when I first did the test I think I was doing plus 15 kilos onto my body weight for um, crimping on like a 17 mil edge and now it's up to 35 kilos but so okay. like but obviously it goes up quite a lot and I don't think it's improved that much lately obviously because I've been putting a lot more effort into the running but having a proper system there to do that and train a bit more systematically definitely has helped a lot um i don't think i should go into like the full details with everything because it would take a bit long but the main the main thing is to get a pulley system so you can remove weight off your body so you can hang for longer so if you look at it um like with the running you don't always go out and do really hard running all the time but when you hang that's kind of like what you're doing because hanging is kind of difficult for the majority of people so when you hang it's like you're going on a uh, some some hill sprints or some sort of like 10k race pace effort because you can only hang for x amount of time 
Whereas if you put a harness on and get a pulley system, you can remove some weight and you can hang for a lot longer and make it easier. So you can do kind of like slow run hanging. And then if you remove a little bit less weight, you can do some more like zone three long type intervals or some like shorter zone four type intervals. And then if you add some weight, you can do more like heel sprints. So you can change how you're training your grip strength um, and actually sort of like train the endurance side of things and the power side of things and just hang for a lot longer to teach your muscles how to activate and also train everything a bit more gradually so you're not likely to get any sort of like tendon or um, ligament issues too. So just to take things really gradual and build up and have a system and use the pretty system has been really good. Is that a particular make or have you just made one up? Um, there is, uh, if everyone downloads the crimp app, uh, that's like going to be the best way of going about trying to do this. Okay. Um, and they also sell like an edge, uh, like a listing you're going to hang from they've got like i think you're going to use a 20 mil one but i've got a beast maker so i just use the lowest thing which is 17 mil instead um and then i set up a pulley system like you can just put like a a sling over the beast maker for example and then have a harness on a bit of rope up to the a pulley thing on the sling and then down to some weight and i've actually got like now two pulley systemy things so i can have the weight a bit further away so it doesn't get tangled up around my legs and stuff um and then the idea is uh you can you can do different uh workouts and most of them are based off the seven second three second principle where you do seven seconds on three seconds off uh for a certain amount of repetitions for a certain amount of sets and then you take off a certain percentage of your the max amount you can hang with uh so then as you retest that percentage would obviously um change how much weight you're having for each of the workouts that means you can um gradually improve that sounds mean i know you said obviously with the weight but you know for anyone that's yeah, but this is... sort of crimping and body bit beast work jesus yeah that sounds hard yeah but it's it's not that's the idea with the pulley system because you're removing yeah, weight sure. it should always be manageable so you okay. should expect to have a certain feeling from each of the types of the workouts. And it's like saying when you go out for a 10K slow run, oh, that sounds horrible. But actually, if you go at the right pace, it shouldn't be that bad. Um, come- and then if you're going for your heel sprints, they're like 10 to 30 seconds. So, oh, it sounds horrible that you're going max out, but it's such a short amount of time. It's not that yeah. bad. So if you apply so- the same principle to, to hanging, uh, you should feel like in some of them you're feeling a bit pumped, but you can actually complete the session. Uh, and if you can't, you've got the the weight wrong on the pulley system. So you need to add more weight, take a step back. And then through some weeks, you'll build up. And at some point, you will be able to manage that slightly harder session. So theoretically, all you've just done is like zoned the way of hanging. So just put it in two, zero, three, or like you say, hard, easy. Hmm, interesting. In, a, okay. in a sense, that way, that, so that way, yeah, you do do like... You can do a warm-up hang and just mobilize up the muscles and like not overstrain them because you've got so much weight on the pulley system. You can do a hang which is more like a long run and you do like 12 reps of the seven seconds on, three seconds off. You can do more like an interval session, which would be like six, six reps of the seven seconds on, three seconds off, but obviously a heavier, a heavier sort of um well, a lighter lo- load on the pulley system or actually adding weight to yourself uh or you can do sort of like some hill sprints which is to add a bunch of weight to yourself but then you only do like one rep and then take like a four minute break uh but obviously this this sort of system it will take like it takes time to do this hanging because you take big breaks in between and you need like a good hour just sort of like standing around hanging a bit standing around hanging a bit so it's less fun than going climbing it takes more time and certainly isn't for everyone but it is one way you can really 
systematically improve your your grip strength. I haven't done an obstacle race yet, so who knows whether it's actually going to have worked. But I mean, it's been fun, a fun process. Is that the sort of thing you're going to do every day then, John? Is it you wake up, have your coffee, you know, stick your crimp tap on and go for it. And like you say, chill, cook a bit, chill, you know, put the kitchen cupboards on, chill a bit. You know, is that? Uh, It's more for me. Normally I wake up, have breakfast, all that sort of stuff, go out for session number one, which is like, yeah, a run or a ride or something. And then um, have lunch. And then that's what after that, I normally do a bit of strength and a bit of hanging. And then another session in the evening with the cardio. So it's normally sort of like around lunchtime. And I just go down into the cellar, uh, put some music on, and then just sort of like run through it, hanging first, and then some strength exercises afterwards, mainly for upper body and stuff, especially with the one-arm pull-up exercises. Uh, And that's normally the hanging I do like three times a week. And I've got a pinch block where I do a similar sort of system twice a week. So five days a week. So you're doing quite a lot. Uh, yeah, well, I've been I've been trying to improve, and it's also it's like kind of relaxing to go down, just sort of like hang around a bit and stuff. Um, mm. It's kind of gone it's been days, fun. It's been different. Yeah, it's gone to the days of John Abbott running a bit and doing a bit of bouldering and hoping for the best of the world champs. Hey, eh? <laughs> well, I think that maybe was a better way of training for the world champs. Who knows? Uh, but we'll like see. with where I am now and with covid and stuff you have to use what you have and make the best of any situation and this is just what i've been doing and i do think that at least with rock climbing this is going to improve how hard i can actually go rock climbing so whether it's going to be good for obstacles who knows but then with the i do do some bar hanging as well and i do do like the one on pull up type exercises and a bunch of pull-ups and weighted pull-ups and stuff so I'm sure I am stronger in a sense than I ever have been before, but whether that's actually a usable strength and one that's going to last yeah, through the entire sure. world champs and actually, yeah, going to, but I think like to build this base strength has been great. And I'm sure that leading into the world champs with like a good month of more specific type, more like CrossFit type workouts uh, where I can utilize the strength that I've built up. I'm sure I could be in a good, pretty good place. It just depends whether I can really get the techniques down for the OCR world champs. Because uh, a lot of it's technique based, and cool. you can waste a lot of strength with poor technique, and obviously not done an obstacle race for so long, like it would be a big question mark. If you, I mean, you mentioned earlier about if you were going to do that, you'd want to do a proper OCR race. What would be your first race you'd go to for a warm up? Like uh, right now, John, you I can guess, go do this race. What would it be? I guess maybe like toughest would be a okay. good one because I mean they have yep. technical obstacles, they have fast lanes. I can go there the day before and play and practice on the obstacles because they don't mind you doing that. Um, and it's 8K, so that's like the sort of effort that I'd have to push in the 15K, but obviously just keep going for double the amount of time. So I think that would be like, yeah, that would be like a great a great race to go and do. Um, barring that, I think I'd probably try and go somewhere that like has a Gibbonsy thing or has some, some of the weird crap that the world champs are putting together. Uh, because to actually specifically practice some of those obstacles is turning into be like really important and that's almost like a business model they have to be like uh i guess force five is like trying to sell obstacle equipment to people have to practice with it in order to do the race so um that's like a shame but that's just something i guess i'll have to get used to so to go somewhere where they're going to have some of the weird crap that they're putting together for us to try or at least try and talk to the organizers and make make them get some obstacles up a good five days in advance before the race and make it that people can go there and actually try them out if they arrive early enough. 
um, mm. just to sort of even the playing field a bit because I guess there's races in the US which have got certain t- technical obstacles and I mean there's hardly been any races happening in Europe anyway so I think like everyone's going to be a little bit of out, pra- out of practice and I think everyone would uh, appreciate the ability to at least try some of the weird crap they've put together for this race. Well, it looks like Toughest is going ahead, so you might be all right if you do find Toughest. And if you're, if you're ever in Suffolk, my place has got all that funny crap. If you're <laughs> um, yeah, this so. is the problem. There is like uh, an army camp-based thing here, and they do have some sort of like monkey bars and stuff, so maybe I could try and hang up some stuff. But yeah, like I said, it's really hard to replicate uh, a good race situation and hard to replicate the exact obstacles they'll have as well. So I've never really trained like that, but maybe that's like, what to have to do considering what you need to do is take Killian to the army camp and say come on Killian let's go run round you just make <laughs> sure you just push me all the way round you know make me work hard could you imagine if Killian just like flew through monkey bars and flew through no yeah, I'm sure he yeah. could I'm sure he could try with a few weeks of tech technique practice okay. but I mean uh, never say never maybe I'll convince well, him no. to come down to to a race or two we'll see percent um just to finish off then you talked about some new products you got going anything interesting that you know the listeners might want to hear about or is it all hush hush um not really i mean uh i've been working with ud over the past year and trying to like sort of actually create some products with them so that's been fun uh but the the main main thing i've been liking from them the most has been the shorts and the tights because they've got these bottle holders in so it's, yep. it's like got two 300 mil bottle holders and a little belt so they don't bounce whatsoever. And actually at the weekend, I had all the mandatory kit just in the pockets on the shorts. So I didn't have to wear a hydration vest whatsoever. So that's been that's been really nice. Do you um, think they would work in like a long distance beast or an ultra or something at Spark? Yeah, I'm sure. Like these skin types, they've got like a bunch of pockets for all the nutrition and hydration you really need. And because they're skin tight, they're not exactly going to make much drag in water and they don't soak up that much water either so i'm pretty sure that's what i'd go to for um for a race uh, not having a, a vest or a hydration like belt that sort of like rides up around your stomach and stuff it is yeah, really nice you just get a better feeling feeling when yeah. you're running um mountain fuel um As like always. that's been going great like it's been solid really don't really need to worry so much about nutrition a little bit of like playing around with their new gel at the weekend but still not so sure so like still got to completely nail the nutrition strategy like for a the OCC is going to be like a five five and a half hour effort so really have got to nail the nutrition just to make sure there's no problems talk um, about the nutrition side of things we've um I've been the um the super sapien app you know like uh that Ryan yeah. and Lindsay have been that is a game changer if you can get on that I, mean, I don't know how I know. Geeky, geeky you are but no, I know. I've been I've been following it. I actually bested some through to try and see if I can get a um, like uh, not sponsorship. Um, yeah, the other thing where you just sort of like get to try some stuff. Yeah, I can I can see it being like a game changer, and it's like it's almost upsetting that it's going to become so data driven yeah. and so much easier to be able to sort of like. Um, just get your get your blood sugar levels to the right place for for intervals and for racing and also in for recovery and even to lose weight to try and get them beneath a certain type, um, point just so you can lose weight gradually coming into a race and stuff like yeah it's great and it looks like it's really cool and it could work whether it like takes the fun out of actual sort of like the nutrition side of things it does, who, who a, little knows? Bit. It does um, a little bit i know with the tour de france they've, they've said that they're not allowed to use it in the actual competition 
because yeah. they don't want it like Formula One data driven where you get handed the exact right gel at the exact right time to keep your blood sugar levels X. Uh, but they can use it in training. I'm pretty sure a lot of them do. And it is yeah, really do, powerful uh, technology. Too, yeah. And if they, at the moment, the lactic acids um, sensors, they can only have those like embedded within the skin as well. So whether they can, right, if they can put that. like a lactic acid, well, you don't get like a wrist or a heart rate belt type thing for lactic mm -hmm. acid measures, but obviously um, that's really powerful data to have as well. So whether they could stick a sensor like that in the same needle thing that's in your arm from the blood sugar um, sensor, if you could have those two things, then I think that would like radically change um, yeah. training completely, like to, to know exactly what the acid levels are in your body and what your blood sugar level is through those two 100%. things, like it's gonna be ridiculous. It is, um, it is night and day, honestly. A little old me that not even competing on the level you are, you know, I do a lot of Zwift race. And as long as my, you know, blood minimum is up by 200 when I get on that bike, I know I'm going to have a good race, you know. And yeah. if it starts dropping, back a gel in, boom, straight back up, you feel good again. And it's amazing how, how probably how poor I have been feeling. You know, when I had this conversation with Ryan, he was like, yeah, I've been going into stupidly under fuel, like not yeah. even realizing, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit like the carbon shoes, isn't it? It's like, you know, I, I, I really disagree like that. I, 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 I'm a bit like you. I like things to be guesswork. A bit like when Spartan were like, we're not going to tell you about the course and the maps. Yeah, I like the fact that you're going out there and you turn the corner and you see the first time. You know, I don't like the fact that I know it's there. But it's difficult in news and now. Yeah, but it's you got to get with the times. The same with CBD. It was like I almost wanted wanted it not yep. to work because I didn't want it to be there. <laughs> like you have to have this this stuff in order to get rid of like a little niggle or to relax like a certain muscle and stuff. But um, having tried a little bit of the balm stuff, just rubbing it on somewhere, I do think it does work. And it's kind of boring that now it's like everyone has to have this CBD, CBD. type stuff. Um, What's well, the obviously effect, there's, isn't it? It's the Lansama strong effect. If one one rider takes it, the rest yeah. feel like they have to take it to keep up. Yeah, but then it just depends on like where you want to lie within the whole doping scale. Like, uh, yep. doping is a scale, and at some point it turns to being illegal. And there's some people which want to be like closer to that line. There's some people which just want to be completely 100% natural and like not take anything whatsoever. Uh, obviously, yep. like. Um, CBD is probably in my mind like way lower than things like aspirin and uh, paracetamol and stuff but it's still on that scale but then that scale is like yeah just depends where you want to sit sit on I it suppose so, with, um, um, with having shit coverage of the olympic that the danes track cyclist all keto tape on for more aerodynamics yeah. did you see that <laughs> and they made them take it off they were like no that's really cheap. take it off it's like no, it's cut. It's cut. I've got an injury, and they're like the whole yeah. team hasn't got the same injury. And it turns out that yeah, they found that on their shins in the uh, yeah. in the aerodrome, they got more of a aerodynamics on the old track. But I think I think it's probably just um, nice to try and enter into sports or get good at sports where there's more things than just these tiny um, things you can do to improve performance. It's more about skill, and it's more about uh yeah just like the, the, it's more about the bigger picture like that's why i've not really gone down the avenue of going to sports which is just so specific for training and so the competition is so standardized and specific like with the obstacle race there's so much random stuff which will uh affect the outcome of the race hopefully that these little things don't really play as big a role so you don't have to worry about them so much like within mountain and trail running you don't have to worry about the carbon true so much because um 
It's just the your, your footfall is so different every single time. It's just going to have a lot less effect. Like I'm sure Nike are bringing out a trail version, but it's just going to be less important in technical mountain races. But then obviously a lot of mountain races are pretty much just gravel gravel roads or easy trails. So I'm sure it will have an effect at some point, but just less of an effect. Um, mm. So we don't have to worry about it so much. Sure. Well, John, thank you very much for the last hour of your time. Um, good luck in the cliques. What would your, out of interest, what would your sort of um, taper look like towards E? What would, you know, like we've talked about training, what would your taper yeah. look like? Uh, it's really hard because like tapering is just, uh, like normally I do most of my running slightly tired and then and then you know exactly how your body reacts and then you go through like a good solid taper and you feel far too rested. Your heart rate is way higher during the event and you wonder whether you would have raced better, gone into it like a bit tired. So um, my kind of system is normally uh, for a smaller race, just like a couple of days of extra rest here and there. For a bigger race, I would really try and do a big week of rest two weeks before. And then the week leading into the race, do quite a bit more training. So quite quite okay. sort of like load up the legs a little bit just to add a bit more stiffness back in. It never really looks exactly like that. But um, I think it's good to sort of like try and get rid of any niggles, to try and get a bit rested and then get back into the training rhythm. So you go into the race actually remembering what it's like to push a little bit in training sessions and actually sort of like feeling perky and ready rather than just sort of rested and sluggish. Um, and then the actual sessions are usually very similar to what I've been doing in the months prior, just less repetitions. So it's quite easy to say that if you go out and do, say, like um, 10 by uh, 10 by K intervals or something like that in, in your actual training. And then when you come to the taper, you're only going to do four by K intervals yeah. uh, because you want to sort of reduce the amount of reps. It's so much easier to then push harder within those intervals because there's obviously less of them. But that's not the yeah. point. You should run them the same effort, the same speed yeah. as in the actual training because that way when you finish, you don't feel banged up. You feel like uh, you've done something, but you feel like you could do more and you're kind of hungry to do more because you've been used to doing more. Uh, but that's yeah. the perfect time to stop because that way you'll take that feeling through into the race and you'll be mobilized and you'll be ready to push and you won't have sort of like just changed the type of session. You'd have just made it shorter. Yeah. yeah. But like you say, the key there is actually keep the same pace. Don't, don't pick your pace up because it's shorter. You yeah. want to keep that same intensity the same. And then hopefully, like you say, you take that through. Oh, well, yeah, good luck, so. John at OCC. Um, obviously good luck. If you do partake in um, maybe Andorra or maybe you do head over to Stratton, uh, let's hope let's hope do get better travel wise um and hopefully races do start to come your way and you know maybe maybe an abby dabby maybe Who we knows? shall see like hopefully hopefully see. like it'll be a really nice way to round off the year uh and then move into another winter training period looking looking forward to the skiing already but obviously lots of racing to get done i, I had to say i had to stop not following you i still follow you but i had to stop looking at your instagram post because that skiing just looked incredible there's one where you're chasing your mate's dog down that down the slope <laughs> just like you're in about eight foot of snow it's like gorgeous yeah just no that is, that is that is one of one of the nicest mountains uh in norway for skiing and that's like the closest closest one so like yeah. we do live in a pretty special place for for training with some pretty special training some pretty special athletes as well around to train train with so uh couldn't really hope for hope for more especially during a pandemic You've chose well. You've done well, my friend. You've done well. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, John. Take care, mate. No worries. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>